When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, everyone. Poker and Politics here with another episode of uh, Patriot HQ Podcast Radio, as it were. And uh, today I wanted to talk about Martin Geddes doing another long-form uh, this one's called The Perception Problem, How Do You Define Reality? With reality having little quotes around it. And uh, he begins, as he always does, by explaining that there's two and only two paradigms through which one can observe reality. One is that Donald Trump is the greatest human being ever and that everyone who opposes him is a monster. Or that Donald Trump is a monster and everyone who opposes him is righteous and true. There's no other competing narratives. There's no other possible ways to exist. He loves framing the world in this incredibly black and white way. Now, uh, he declares that we have, quote-unquote, common ground on the Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself meme. We don't, because the reality of that meme is that if Epstein was murdered, it happened under the watch of Attorney General Barr, and thus it happened under the watch of Donald Trump. Donald Trump either killed this man or allowed this man to be killed. You can't have QAnon believing that Donald Trump is this nigh-all-powerful messianic figure, and then Jeffrey Epstein is found dead in a prison that Donald Trump indirectly kind of runs and controls, and then say, oh, Epstein was killed, that's a really bad thing. I wonder who did it. Oh, no. Because if uh, it was the deep state who killed Epstein to silence him so he would not talk of their myriad of crimes, then that means that Trump and, and Q team have failed. They didn't get the evidence. And this is why when Epstein was originally reported dead, that uh, many in QAnon thought he was still alive, that it was faked, that he was uh, living in Mexico, or that he was at Guantanamo and under uh, lock and key to be revealed later as a shocking twist. And then when it came out that it was pretty obvious he was totally dead, they had to start spinning and twisting and changing the narrative. And I'd heard things like the Patriots had him executed, that the, that the Patriots let the Deep State kill him so they could then arrest the Deep State for killing him. Because again, Q has everything on these people, has said for years that he has everything on these people. Needed to toss in Epstein's murder as another conviction, another count of the convictions. Convicting them of a hundred crimes was not enough. Convicting them of murdering Epstein and getting it up to 101, that's the ticket. That's what mattered. So, uh, anyways, so he does this whole thing, and then we get into the, uh, the perception problem transcends traditional politics. My purpose in writing this missive is to share my observations at the philosophical and media studies level. He's, he's going to impart his wisdom, his knowledge of the media, his understanding of the world around us. And um, so he starts getting into this whole thing about... Uh, what do we believe is true? What are the things that are going on? 
do we agree on uh, things like CO2 causes climate change? Or are vaccines safe and effective? Nice to see you dipping your toe into anti-vax, Martin. Gotta, gotta build them numbers. I swear, after I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to do a uh, search of Martin's uh, Twitter timeline, and I'm going to see how many times he's used the word vaccine before this week and after. Because if he actually listened to me and decided to freak out and go anti-vax, that would be the funniest thing in the world. I really don't recall him being anti-vax before this. I'm sure he's done this kind of crank magnetism thing in the past. But it would be just, oh man, it'd be side-splittingly funny if he actually listened to me and actually went anti-vax. Because he's like, oh, well, my, my metrics aren't good. I'm not getting enough people. This is not an impersonation of Martin Guinness. This is just changing my voice so that I can so tell you that I'm doing a different voice. I have no idea what he sounds like. I didn't watch the interview he did of that guy when he uh, pontificated for an hour about the world. So this is not mockery or derision of Martin's voice. I'm not threatening Martin. Anyhow, so uh, climate change denialism, anti-vax, and, and again, he does it in passing. He's not even going to actually argue those things. He's just going to put it out there. He's like, is climate change real or all a lie? Are vaccines safe or do they cause autism? Well, who knows? On to QAnon. That's what really matters. But he's just throwing those little darts out there. Those little darts to just... Give you a little pinprick into the deep state world and media at large. And just make you think to yourself, hey, maybe there is something to vaccines. Maybe there is something to climate change. He just wants to try to pull on as many strings as he can to see if there's a string that he can pull on that makes you buy into what he's saying. Because if he can get you to buy into one thing, then the door is open for him to get you to buy into it all. That's, that's how this works. That's literally how this kind of manipulation works. So... Uh, he brings up that, and then it's just sort of blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then he moves into the scaling assumption of belief. Uh, taking the above a little further, there are macro assumptions. Uh, for instance, a common perspective is that the conspiracies don't scale, that one whistleblower effect, hence the media articulates, large-scale conspiracies are mathematically impossible to keep quiet. There's, there's a link, if you click on the link, you go to a actual um, Ars Tecana, or Technica um, article that explains how a large conspiracy is actually impossible to keep quiet. And he's right. This is true. You can't keep a large conspiracy quiet. And then Martin starts lying. And I know that's shocking, but trust me. And then he gets into this little thing about how whistleblowers get ignored. The institutions of uh, journalism justice can be compromised. Here's the important thing that he's lying about that blows my mind because it is uh, so bold and audacious a lie. It doesn't even just 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 thumbs you in the eye with it. It's really amazing. Compartmentalization of knowledge means that most people involved operationally have no idea of intent. Uh, crime families and secret societies offer mechanisms to replicate and scale efforts. Blackmail and extortion can keep secrets very effectively. There's the problem with this idea is that when you talk about the deep state, when you talk about the global satanic pedivore ring, it is a monolith. There is no compartmentalization. All of these people are eating babies. All of these people are drinking adrenochrome. All of these people worship Moloch. All of these people are just horrible monsters and terrible human beings who all are in on it. There's no compartmentalization. Uh, Martin, I'm sure you're listening, so here's a question. What is the compartmentalization between the Queen of England and Hillary Clinton? What operational facts does the Queen of England not know that Hillary Clinton does know and vice versa? When, I mean... Seth Rich's murder. Maybe the Queen wasn't in on that. But you know the Queen and Hillary are grilling babies on in, on a summer weekend. I mean, you know that they're sharing tips on what kind of adrenochrome strains they like the best. I mean, there's no compartmentalization of this crime because it is a global monolithic evil where they're doing everything. These people, uh, according to the Illuminati New World Order conspiracy theory that this is all based off of, 
these people were running both sides of World War II. What is the compartmentalization of that? I mean, one side gins up the Nazis to start a fight, then the other side gins up the rest of the world to fight the Nazis and the Japanese? Um, did one side not know how... Oh, one side doesn't know how to piss off Hitler to get him to attack everybody, and the other side knows how to start Pearl Harbor? They're all working together. They're all working together, and it's a giant plot. And if you grabbed one person, you would be able to bring the whole thing down. Uh, he said, uh, compartmentalization of knowledge means most people involved operationally have no idea of intent. If you're kidnapping children for a party in Washington, D.C., and Hillary Clinton and the Democratic elites are having a party in Washington, D.C., not too hard to put two and two together. And by the way, if you're committing kidnapping, you are committing a crime that is punishable by lifetime imprisonment. You are already, like, really committing a serious felony that will put you in jail for life. So if you're on that level of the crime, it doesn't really matter what you know. Probably going to be able to figure it out because you're in a lot of trouble if you go down. And you probably understand that you're being paid handsomely by rich, powerful people to get these kids, and they want them scared for some reason. Because the adrenochrome is so sweet. It's so silly. It, so, no, there's no compartmentalization of this dumb conspiracy because it's omnipresent and it's monolithic and it's everywhere. Everyone that has ever run for president, except for St. John Kennedy, St. Ronnie of Reagan, and St. Donald Trump, were all in on it. Everyone's in on it. John McCain was in on it. Everyone's there. There's no way this thing can exist. So there's no compartmentalization of your dumb conspiracy theory. There is compartmentalization of other things. You can do that. You can have different sectors of a group or a company working on different projects and not knowing what the other one's doing. But the deep state, they all know what they're doing. They're all in on it together. And then um, he basically just gets into this whole thing where he's very angry at people uh, not accepting uh, that these things are possible. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I found a different paragraph uh, ahead of it. So um, out of nowhere, he decides that uh, spiritual warfare is a thing. Is it really? Our desire to seek information is modified by what we perceive as being good to know. Sure, our beliefs about what is good, quote, uh, brackets, hence, and hence bad, can be influenced. Then our concept of what real can be modified, of what is real can be modified. This can be a source of deep division among about the nature of our shared experience. If religion is upstream of culture, don't even know what that really means, but it sounds haughty and pretentious, so good on you, Martin. And culture is upstream of politics. Again, just keep spinning them yards, yarns. Our views of the political arena may be unconscious reflections of our deep spiritual assumptions. These in turn may be, quote-unquote, inverted, what is loosely referred to as a satanic outlook or a Luciferian doctrine. I am not an expert in these terms. Do your own research! Um... Oh, wow. So I, you click on Luciferian Doctrine, and it takes you to an eight-and-a-half-minute video, Luciferian Doctrine, explained by Hans Wilhelm, www.lifeexplained.com. There are a lot of people mesmerized by conspiracy theories. Their obsession and fascination is a reflection of some deep-seated negativity within. But before we write off any of these theories as pure nonsense, I thought it might be a good idea to explore their not and their origin, why they persist, and if there's any truth to them. That's interesting. It sounds a lot more open-minded than what I thought he would say. Uh, I might look at that later. That could be a later podcast. But uh, for now, we're going to go back to Martin and the meat of his uh, reporting, as it were. And so he continues on talking. And then he quotes Sun Tzu. Drink. And after he gets into Sun Tzu, uh, he talks about how that you or I can de definitively discern the true meaning of any act from its surface appearance requires a lot of chutzpah. 
it takes time to understand what is uh, or was really going on, given how the historical context is always edited to favor the victors and true history can be hoarded. We may never be afforded an actual personal perspective of events during our lifetime. Fair enough. Way to go. Okay, cool. Uh, intrigue is complex and confusing by design. Adding an extra dimension to the above, the present day feels like inhabiting a rather extreme thriller novel with a bizarrely twisted plot. No, that's QAnon. The reality that you're living in is the boring, mundane, workaday life we all live. QAnon is the crazy fan fiction you've created to make all of that much more exciting and dynamic. The roles of characters as villains, heroes, or victims seems to shift as the story unfolds. Whether someone is a white hat Black hat, gray hat, or red hat may be unclear. No, these people don't really exist. There's just people. Everyone's kind of gray. Uh, I mean, I think there are people who are actual criminals doing actually criminal things, and those people are like bad guys, but most political actors on some level or another believe in what they're doing, and they think it's right, and they're trying to push their vision forward. And that's really all there is to it. Um, I don't think people like uh, Paul Ryan or even Mitch McConnell, um, I mean, I think these people are just furthering their own agendas. They're helping themselves out as best they can. They're making a buck, but they're also doing what they think is a, a right thing to do. And so it's wrong and bad in my view, but that's about it. I mean, Trump, I think Trump's a criminal. I think Trump, and I think also, more importantly, that Trump thinks everybody's a criminal. I think that the, the adage that everyone judges their heart by their own is true. And I think that Trump believes that everyone is as guilty as he is. And that's why he's so appalled by what's happening right now. Because he looks at all of his enemies and he thinks they're all crooks. And he's just like, you're all crooks. I'm a crook. I don't, I don't get why I'm getting this, like, this unfair treatment. Because everyone does what I do. Everyone's as bad as I am. And I don't get it. So, I mean, that's reality. The reality is, is that we're just like people doing our people things, living our people lives. And the fact that uh, Martin and QAnon have to put everyone in these labels that, oh, a white hat's a good guy, a black hat's a bad guy, a gray hat is something that we really don't talk about because gray isn't a thing that exists in QAnon. And red hats are a weird new term we came up with that means that there's someone that would be, who's being blackmailed by one side or the other. That's cool. Great. So um, after that kind of thing, we get into more uh, Satanism. Occultism and esoteric knowledge exists. We are taught in school about the exoteric shared knowledge aspect of our society. And uh, this, this data can be seen in our legal system, scientific understanding, or historical narratives. There is also an esoteric knowledge that is not public realm. An, an example might be the statecraft of creating an assassin. For both better or worse, occult beliefs and institutions also objectively exist. The balance of exoteric to esoteric knowledge may be that available by its, its nature difficult to know. The assumption that reality can be understood through exoteric knowledge alone is just that, an assumption. Those who have endeavored to unco uncover esoteric understanding may be worthy of some extra attention and respect. Again, uh, I really don't understand what he's poking at here, because what does, an occult, what does the occult and Satan have to do with uh, making someone into an assassin? Uh, you can believe in non-mainstream uh, religions and be very peaceful and be very mundane. You're not someone who's just training assassins up to go after your enemies. And by the same token, if you are a Christian, you absolutely can gin people up to the point where they will bomb uh, abortion clinics and shoot abortion doctors. Uh, Timothy McVeigh was a, a Christian who blew up the Oklahoma City building. So, I mean, uh, it's not like the idea of a cult or a offshoot non-mainstream religion is a bad thing and mainstream religions are good things. So again, he's just trying to slander Satanism and uh, Luciferianism 
because that's what his audience hates, and he's letting them know that they're the bad guys they hate worship the bad religion they hate. It's just confirmation bias. It's just all of these desperate attempts to make sure that the other is hated properly. Operation is not intention. Uh, in my telecoms work, a major fallacy surfaced with net neutrality, where activists have falsely assumed that operational network performance is intentional, and thus deviations for specific users and applications can be defined as throttling. This is untrue. It is impossible in principle and practice to reverse out the intention of the operation in a system with emergent characteristics. Uh, okay, um, we're losing me, Martin. Bring, bring me back in. This insight also applies more wildly to hiring or firing of a particular player in the political realm as an operational fact, but the true intention behind it cannot be known with certainty. Only the passage of time can help us to eliminate intentional hypotheses uh, that do not align with the unfolding operational narrative reality. Absolute statements of good or bad intent, quote-unquote withdraw troops from Syria, could be a recent example. There are other naive and premature, unless one understands wider strategic context and methods, are operational reality and intentional reality are distinct things, exclamation point. What constitutes a fact is not based on the same evidence and logic for these. I think he's trying to say that firing Jeff Sessions doesn't mean that Donald Trump hates Jeff Sessions. And that Donald Trump's moves on the chessboard are inscrutably genius moves that are carefully calculated to mate his enemies and to bring victory for the Patriots and doom and death to the deep state. All that happy horse shit, as it were. So, yeah. Uh, trust Sessions. Keep trusting him. Uh, legibility of symbols and semonics. I have no idea what that word is. Martin's best in my vocabulary. Semiotics. Our world is filled with icons, brands, and symbols. They can have multiple and complex meanings, and some of those meanings may not be widely understood in the media world. What is the meaning of someone covering one eye? New world order. In the architectural world, what is the meaning of an obelisk? New world order. In the commercial world, what is the meaning of a logo based on a swoosh? The new world order. It's not hard. Everything leads to Satan. Everything leads to the new world order. Everything is evil and bad. Anything you see in this world is evil and bad. Be scared. Be afraid. Trust that Donald Trump will save you. Trust Trump. Trust the plan. Trust yourself. But don't question any of those things. Q. Our sense of what is real depends on us having a shared understanding of these symbols and for them to be legible. The assumption that we are taught all we need to know to read the world is, is a very limiting one. Oh, you can you can read the real world all you want. Go to a vigilantcitizen.org or .com, whatever they go by now, and read that website, and you'll find out that everything's evil. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the New World Order. This has been going on for over two decades now. This is stuff that I was reading about in high school. This is hilarious. It's so crazy that a guy on the internet, some anonymous troll, spun the New World Order again and just said, oh yeah, by the way, Donald Trump's the hero. And everyone was like, we're in. We're totally in. We just, all we ever wanted was for a really senile old man to be the hero in the New World Order story. And oh God, it's so beautiful. Just, uh, just let me let me soak in it. I want I want to just stand under a waterfall of it, just have it wash over me. Oh, it's so refreshing and beautiful. I love it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile. slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
this is the last section that I uh, nope, there we go. The last section that I read is um, Sophilism is not a logical argument. A phrase I often hear is I cannot imagine that. This is a statement about the limits of the speaker's imagination, not of the reality of the world. To confuse these is a sophilism, i.e., to access that all to suggest that all that exists is what I can imagine and nothing more, nothing less. Martin loves using big, pretty expensive words. And again, he's just reiterating the fact that the deep state is so unbelievably evil that people can't imagine the level of evil they're capable of committing. Blah, blah, blah. They're really bad. You should hate them. Hate the deep state. The deep state is bad. Boo the deep state. Boo, 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 boo. Uh, okay, we've booed the deep state. The two minutes of hate. Okay, so now we're into the new stuff that I have not read yet. And I've got to be, they got to say, I'm pretty scared about where my mouse scroll bar is right now. There is a lot more meat to this, it looks like. Uh, I, mean, I know the bottom of it is this Patreon begging, of which I'm a total beggar myself. So total poker and politics is a massive hypocrite. Oh, yeah. I need money. Anyways, uh, conceptual universe size matters. One of the ideas that I have inherited from my computer science work is the universe of discourse. For instance, we might have a unconscious assumption that reality is a thing bound to that which largely happens on the surface of this planet and involves homo sapien humans. But if we add deep underground military bases, a secret military program, and human cloning, for then different perspectives open up as to what is real. Ah, uh, well, guess what isn't real? Um, the deep, the deep underground military bases, the secret space program, and the human cloning. Those things are not real. Don't really have to worry about those things. So, uh, yep, take them off the uh, chart. Uh, don't have to worry about them. They're not there. So, yeah, uh, we we don't really have to expand real into not real, as it were. We don't have to expand real into fantasy. This isn't like one of those things where literally ends up being defined as figuratively in the dictionary and we've destroyed the meaning of the word outright. Anyhow, throw in the radical idea that we live in a busy galactic neighborhood together with interstellar travel and the potential size of reality grows almost incomprehensibly. These things may or may not exist in actuality, but the consideration of what is thinkable affects what we can perceive as real. If you want to imagine crazy things, that doesn't make other crazy things real. It just means that you're imagining crazy things. That's cool. Having an imagination is fun. There's a million characters to live in my head. I'm a storyteller. I love stories. Let's tell a story, Marvin. Martin. Uh, DM me. We'll work out. We'll bang out a script by Friday. It'll be awesome. Like I'll, I'll be the the hard nosed skeptic. He'll be the just impassioned believer. It'll be like the X Files only. It'll be that I'm right and you're wrong this time. Unlike Muller and Scully, where he was right because he was crazy and she was grounded and just wrong. Assumption of competence is a social requirement at dinner parties, especially in more educated circles, to have an opinion on pretty much everything. There is an implicit assumption that being relatively well educated and informed makes us competent to form opinions on very complex matters. In reality, we borrow most of our opinions from official narratives, since we are too lazy or under-resourced to go back to the source data and think through everything ourselves. What is real is that which avoids ridicule and ostracism because authority has told us it is real. This is Martin saying that because I believe in QAnon and I know QAnon is real, I have been ostracized by polite society, and this makes me very mad because you people are wrong and I am right and Q is real, and one day I will be vindicated. I will be gloriously vindicated. Oh, how you will all bend the knee to me and when the day of judgment rains down. You will know my glory. I, Martin Geddes, will stand astride the world as a god. That's, that's what this is. This is just Martin being very angry at where he is in the world and where he was in the world. And he's happy with his new audience, but he wants respect. He wants credibility. He wants to be seen and acknowledged as a great man. And if he's right, you'll get it. But you'll only get it from the other people that have destroyed America with him because the criminality side of QAnon is not possible. The military junta side of QAnon is terrifying. Frequentists and foundationalist assumptions. 
I have no idea if frequentist is a real word or not, but good on you, Martin. Just just break the English language to your will. Our beliefs about reality are rooted in deep and often unconscious biases. Really? We're biased about things? No! Around how we relate to new information that clashes with what we know is real. We assume that the future is like the past or not, and there are only few or many possible interpretations of what, going, what is going on. The end of history illusion can trap us all into thinking the present moment is unduly special. Conversely, we may miss out on uh, changing of the ages as cycles of cycles come to an end. It takes a great deal of inner work and learning conversations to surface these biases and to make them conscious. If you want to have a learning conversation, you can unblock me. We can talk. Uh, I feel like, again, he's building up to the big thing that, like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, everyone's going to go to jail very soon and Donald Trump will be vindicated and it's going to be great. Anyhow. Oh, here we go. Oh, the patronizing. The glorious patronizing that's coming. Just looking at the headline of this... Uh, series of paragraphs here, this sub-headline, I should say, of the article. Have respect for others and adopt a learning outlook. I really, I can't wait for Martin to tell us that, like, when the uh, storm hits, that it's time to be comforting and consolidating uh, to the uh, consoling to those who were um, led astray by the monstrous, evil, uh, global satanic pedophile right. This list is just a small selection of the possible ways we could misread reality. Many books have been written on this topic by those erudite in matters philosophical and psychological. Because of this, there has to be a real scope for accepting the legitimacy of opposing beliefs about what is real. It respects our individual competence and contribution in making sense of the world. To insist on unilateral consensus risks dehumanizing and pathologizing the dissenting other. This is from a group of people who want to murder all of their enemies. That hey, don't let don't be don't be mean to people with opposing viewpoints. Be cool. We don't want to insult the other. That would be mean. Yeah, you got it, buddy. No problem. Okay. Since it wrongly believes that we have nothing to learn from others, mistake mistakes then lead to a shriek of the a shirk of the conscience from overestimating our ability to discern world affairs. Conversely, to celebrate the difference of perspective for its own sake is unhealthy. There is value in the synthesis of a consensus reality, since it enables shared understanding and collaborative activity. The first step towards synthesis is to abandon the desire to overpower the other with one's views and voice. Boy, I can't wait for Martin to learn that lesson. Oh my god. Uh, listen carefully to their perspective of reality since there may be something to learn however crazy they are. Again, this is Martin just pleading, hear me out. Please hear me out. I'm right about this. You know, if you wanted us to hear you out, Martin, why don't you post those 500 Q proofs on one of your articles and let us go through them and see how ironclad they are, how absolutely sparkling they are. And this actually um, ends the article, shockingly. Uh, there's way more uh, scrolliness than I thought was going to be um, here. Uh, the bottom of his thing says, I am taking a break from offering telecoms consulting services to focus on other projects, but you can still read more about me at Martin Geddes uh, with a dot between the G-E-D-D uh, and the E-S. I am open to interesting offers of collaboration. I should send him a message. I want to collaborate with him. I want to write a novel. Let's Me and Martin bang out a novel. That'd be great. That'd be so interesting. I'd love to hear how his mind works. Because he's just such an odd duck. He's such an interesting dude. I really, I really do feel that way about this guy. I mean, to just be this deep into this kind of thing, to just be this totally all in convinced about QAnon when it's when there's just nothing there. There's no meat on that bone. And I was there. I, I lived this life uh, in the 1990s and 9/11. I was there. Uh, when I was in high school, I was the world's biggest JFK assassination uh, 
conspiracy theorist. I was just totally obsessed with that stuff. I read all the books. I read Crossfire. The, I watched The Men Who Killed Kennedy uh, specials. Every special that was on television, I watched it. Um, there was a trial between um, two big lawyers. I think Vincent Bugliosi was the prosecutor, and uh, this folks, the older guy who was read, written a lot of books. Uh, he was the defense attorney. They had a trial for Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald was found guilty of killing Kennedy. Uh, I was very unimpressed with the defense witnesses they called. Um, it was, but I mean, I, I, I lived that stuff. I breathed that stuff. And uh, it was, it just sunk into the very fiber of my being. And when 9-11 happened, oh, I was all in on the conspiracies. Totally all in. I, I, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, they, they, they put in the explosives. They blew the buildings up. Bush was in on it. Oh, I, I, pro, I mean, I never actually listened to Alex Jones, but I was totally bro-fisting Alex Jones when I saw him on TV screaming and yelling. I was like, you get him, Alex. You're totally right about this. And then Alex found out that being a right-wing grifter made a lot more money than being just a like total kook. And uh, he settled into his grifting niche. And it was at this moment that um, one of my friends on the Internet, uh, a nice enough guy, who uh, hilariously is probably one of the people I've had the least amount of humorous conversations with in my entire life. And now he's an aspiring stand-up comedian, which is hilarious. Um, and I was talking to him, and I just made some offhanded remark about how 9-11 was obviously a conspiracy. And he was like, no, it isn't, you idiot. Don't say things like that. You're stupid. You're, you're making yourself look bad. And I got angry. I was like, I, my hackles were up. And I was just like, you don't know what you're talking about, man. But I kind of dropped it because I just thought to myself, wow, that's really weird. This guy just accepts the the mainstream media story. He just is, is he's a blue-billed normie. If I had known those pejoratives to throw at him back then, I would have called him a blue-billed normie. I would have been like, you're this dumb idiot who doesn't hasn't seen loose change in, in all, you, you don't know the truth. You just don't know the real knowledge. You don't know the hidden information. And after that happened, it was really shocking to me that, like, you could just not believe in the conspiracy theory. I didn't really even think that was, like, the default setting that a person could have. And it was very eye-opening to me that, like, that was a thing that could be real. And then I started looking into 9-11 more and more, and the more I looked into it, it was, like, pretty obvious that it was planes being thrown in the buildings and that's just what happened and the conspiracy theories got wilder and wilder though there were no planes involved uh that like the shot this is my favorite this was the thing that really aggressively blue pilled me was there was this big conspiracy about how uh all the media was controlled such that there was like only one camera, like only one big broadcast of the second plane hitting the World Trade Center. And this is how they managed to fake us out and not actually throw a plane into that building. And I thought to myself, you know, there were like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers watching the burning World Trade Center building just freaking out that a plane had hit it and they were just like wow this is so messed up and they all in real time with their own eyes saw the second plane hit the second tower and i think they would have known something was up and when i saw it and that's the thing is that these conspiracy theories they always go over the top you always have these people that just just go too far and make themselves look like idiots. Um, I read a book about how the entire Zapruder film was faked. Just just absolutely whole cloth. None of the Zapruder film was real. And it was just like a, a figment of your imagination, basically. And there's so much video evidence beyond the Zapruder film that validates the Zapruder film that it, 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 I'm just, it made my head hurt. And uh, there was the, another uh, conspiracy theorist. I think his name was Lifton. I'm not sure if I've got that right or not. But uh, he had, uh, there's a photo. It's uh, called the Badge Man photo. And the reason why it's called the Badge Man photo is because there's these uh, shadows that are uh, 
spilling over the section of the grassy knoll. And if you look at the shadows in the right way, which is to say that you're a human being who discerns patterns, you can kind of make out uh, uh, like that the, sh the shadow has hair on the top, that there's a face, and you can kind of make out that the arms are holding a gun up to the face, and there's a big flash of light, and that's the flash of the gun. And uh, there's a little flash of light in what would be the chest area of the man, and uh, that is what they call the uh, that they call that the badge because they're saying that this guy, who was the grassy knoll shooter, um, was a cop, was wearing a cop uniform, and he shot Kennedy while wearing the cop uniform. And in this photo, you can see the badge. If you Google search "badge man JFK assassination," I'm sure it'll pop up. Uh, and I mean, and again, this is deep into the weeds, Kennedy assassination nonsense. This, which was my entire uh, high school life, pretty much. And this Lifton guy, like, went so far as after he found Badgeman, he was finding all these other people in the grassy knoll. He found one guy with a, a Kaiser helmet from World War One that had a spike on the top of it, and like he had this outline of this guy with a spike with a spike on it. And it's like, uh, I think someone would have noticed spiked helmet uh, JFK assassination dude hanging out on the grassy knoll probably would have caught that. So, yeah, no, hard pass on the uh, World War One German helmet wearing guy being in on the plot to kill the president. And this is the thing, is that you just... You see how this kind of stuff happens and how people just go too far, and it ruins the people who try to make real points about these things. And I mean, to this day, I will, uh, I'll argue both sides of the Kennedy assassination. If you want to tell me Oswald did it, I'll shrug. If you want to tell me it was a conspiracy, I'll shrug. I have no problem uh, with either belief system because I believe there's an incredible amount of evidence on both sides. And I also honestly believe, um, given the nature of the evidence as it was presented at the time of, at, in 1963, during the assassination of Kennedy, if Lee Harvey Oswald had gone to trial uh, after the assassination, that it would have been one hell of a very interesting trial, because um, the main thing, and I'm sorry I've so diverted from what I was talking about previously, and if you click off now, I have I, I completely accept it. This is just me uh, really spitballing and just going off on a stem winder here. But um, one of the most interesting things in the Kennedy assassination vis-a-vis -vis the team conspiracy side, go team conspiracy, you could do it, um, is that um, Kennedy was autopsied by people that were so grossly underqualified to handle the autopsy of the assassinated president of the United States that it's, like, really kind of appalling. Like, if you are the most, like, diehard defender of Oswald acted alone, no one did anything untoward, it was just one kook with a gun who happened to catch the Secret Service off guard at a terrible moment and inflicted a tragedy upon America that the nation will never truly heal from. Even if you believe all of that, which is, again, a completely valid viewpoint to have, you have to be incredibly pissed off at the autopsy that Kennedy got because um, they, they take his body out of uh, Parkland Hospital and... Like, again, I'm so going on this stem point here, and I apologize so much, but this is, again, this is this is my jam. You're, you're seeing poker and politics going conspiracy, going red pill, going deep into the weeds of this kind of stuff. I could do a Kennedy podcast once a week for a year and not, not fail to entertain myself. I might start repeating myself a lot, but it'll be really fun for me. Um, but anyways, the legitimate reason that Lyndon Johnson and everyone got Kennedy's body out of Parkland Hospital and onto Air Force One and back to Washington, D.C., was the fact that Jackie Kennedy would not leave without his body, and they did not want to abandon her at Parkland Hospital and fly back to D.C. without her because they thought that would look incredibly callous and incredibly soulless, that this woman just had her husband brutally murdered in front of her. She is 
literally covered in his blood. And we're going to say, yeah, Jackie, that sucks, but we're going to get out of here because we got to run the country. So you hang out at this hospital while your husband's getting autopsied, and uh, we'll check in with you in a few days. We'll catch you later. We'll catch you later, sister. Uh, be strong. So Lyndon Johnson's like, we've got to get that body, and we've got to get Jackie on this plane because I'm not going to be seen as the new president assuming office having abandoned the old president's widow who again is covered in his blood uh to her own devices so they break texas state law and take the body out of parkland and then they get it on the air they get it on the plane they fly it back to uh dc and while they're doing this uh they're like, well, we do need to autopsy him because his body is literally evidence in his murder. So we've got to do something to try to uh, expedite that process. So they take him to, I believe it's Bethesda Naval Hospital, um, and they have people who are completely unskilled in handling uh, uh, forensic autopsies uh, and gunshot wounds in general, uh, handling the autopsy. And... What happens, and this this is one of the massive things that conspiracy theorists poke all kinds of holes in. There's this huge discrepancy about the nature of his brain. The brain was never sectioned off. Uh, they said the brain weighed uh, about the same as a normal human brain when obviously a vast quantity of the brain was damaged or destroyed. So that doesn't seem like it's very accurate. So on, so on, and so forth. But now, the big thing that these doctors were adamant about was that... Uh, the entry wound in the Kennedy's head was right at the base of where the skull meets the neck, as it were, just like that little, like basically the hairline or around there, like that section of the of the skull was where the bullet hit Kennedy and then exited out the right side of his head to kill him. And they all said that this was the case, and uh, you'll find like drawings of a very double, a very like practically like, like his head's at a ninety degree angle from his neck, a very doubled over, bent over Kennedy, explaining how the uh, head wound worked. The problem was that when the Zapruder film uh, became public knowledge, uh, the it is very obvious that Kennedy is upright. He's very much upright. His hands are at his neck, uh, having been shot through the neck, and he's very straight, and then his head explodes. So you really you cannot have Oswald 60 feet up in the air in the Texas School Book Depository firing a bullet that hits Kennedy low skull near the neck. And then that bullet somehow exits upwards through the side of his head and blows out those brains. So you have this really incongruitous uh, wound in his head. And um, the House Select Committee on Assassinations that was formed in the 1970s after the Zapruder film got released and started the giant kerfluffle that made the American public demand that they run the House Select Committee on Assassinations to get to the bottom of this whole thing. The House Select Committee on Assassinations, against the objections of all three autopsy doctors who were before them and uh, said, no, we absolutely positively stand by our belief that the wound, the entrance wound to the president was in the low uh, skull neck region. Um, the House Select Committee on Assassinations moved that wound four inches up to basically uh, midline top of the head to give it the uh, proper angle for Oswald to have hit Kennedy in the back of the head and blown out the right side of his skull. And um, they consulted x-rays. They did all kinds of other things. They, they found a justification for why they did what they did. And now, again, four inches might not sound like a lot, but think of the size of your head. And think about the fact that these doctors were looking at the body of John F. Kennedy, and he's not moving. He's dead. So they, they know what they saw, and they say, yeah, the wound was there. And there and this investigation committee was like, oh, no, 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 we're just going to move that wound up. <laughs> we're going to move that wound up four inches, and that'll fit our theory a little bit better. So, I mean, if you, if you stick to that original uh, wound placement, 
Convicting Lee Harvey Oswald becomes a real sticky wicket. But hey, again, uh, it's a mess. It's a quagmire. There's no solution. There's no uh, good answers. Dumbest breaks. But that was poker and politics, conspiracy-minded, teenager, angsty, angry, grumpy guy doing his thing. And then I just got blue-pilled. I just got pulled in by reality. Uh, I read Case Closed, which was a pretty strong book, but said Oswald acted alone. And uh, I read all the 9-11 stuff that I could and got blue-pilled. I got out of the conspiracy world and into the reality world. And that pretty much was what the, the, that, mo that moment when I switched from one side to the other is really what interested me about conspiracy theories the rest of my life was just like, I got into that stuff once. Why did I get into it? And who are the people that get into it? And why do they stay with it? And so that's why I'm on Twitter. That's why I'm doing this. That's my uh, reason. It's my existence. So uh, if you made it all the way through this, I commend you. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much for this incredibly long-winded podcast of mine. And uh, the next one will probably be 15 minutes or less or your money back. Thank you very much and uh, have a happy turkey day. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.